It's Women's History Month, and what better way to celebrate than to interview our 19th Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, Joanne Bass. I'm Master Sergeant Ariel DeHogas. I'm Tech Sergeant Maria David. And we're filling in for the Air Force Aid Society CEO, Kay Wright, for a special podcast for Women's History Month. We have the honor of introducing to you the 19th Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, Joanne S. Bass, the first woman and Asian American to serve in this role. So thank you, Chief Bass, for joining us today. We know you're busy, so we appreciate you taking the time out of your schedule for us. I'm excited to be here with you guys, um, Ariel, Maria. It's it's an honor, and honestly, it was also a no-brainer. How I realized how much our um, AFAS does for airmen and families, and there's no way I could pass up an opportunity to, I guess, give back some time and give back my gratitude for everything that they do for all of us. So in honor of Women's History Month, we thought it would be great to feature you and to really thank you for your service, your inspiration that you've provided us, um, all of the service women um, here across um, the United States. Um, you truly are a trailblazer and we thank you for that, um, the legacy that you've provided and basically just the opportunity to say, okay, I can do that too, right? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Uh, so in today's format, uh, we plan to ask you a few questions, right, to learn more about you, your Air Force career, and how you basically balance it all, how you are, you know, the Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, but you're also a wife and a mother. Um, and for myself, and, and I know um, Sergeant David, that is, those are really sometimes difficult to kind of keep in balance, and we kind of love to hear about that from you. I, I am excited to share anything that I can. Um, you know, I recently heard General Van Ovos talk a little bit about um, some challenges and opportunities that she's had being a trailblazer herself. And I love what she said last week. I remember her saying, you can't be what you can't see. And so I'm so excited that, um, Ariel, that I can be somebody that people can see and then be better than me. I can't tell you how excited I am right now because I've never thought that there'd be someone that looked like me mm -hmm. sitting up here being the highest enlisted person in the Air Force. And it's almost like my dreams are coming true even though I'm not the one sitting in the seat. So we're gonna go ahead and jump straight into this chat. And I'll start off with asking how you did land in this role that I think is a dream job. I love that you think this is a dream job. <laughs> And, and, and it is, here's what's interesting. And, and can we just dialogue and, and, and have fun mm -hmm. and can I go anywhere with it? All right. When, <laughs> I was a, when I was a senior airman, I remember somewhere in ALS telling everybody that, man, I want to be the next female chief master in the Air Force. Like, you know, as a young E4, I remember saying that. And then life happens. And then you become a non-commissioned officer and you're married and you have a family and oh by the way you have subordinates and like life is busy and then the last thing ever on my mind was being a chief master sergeant you know let alone the chief master in the air force and and Ariel, you can appreciate when i made master sergeant i was like yes you know i can retire you know right because <laughs> life happened yeah. and then I remember, you know, four years ago, five years ago, my first assignment in the Pentagon, and I was there when Chief Master in the Air Force number 17 was there and also number 18. And I remember at that time, this was just five years ago, thinking, 
there is no way I'd ever want to be the chief master in the Air Force, you know, only not because it's not a dream job, but I saw firsthand just how much was really, how much responsibility was on their plate. And I was like, that's a lot, you know? So anyway, it's, it's very ironic. Um, it's ironic for me to think that five years ago, it's humbling. It's an honor. Um, and it was very much a family decision to continue to have the great opportunity to serve. And so, so uh, now back to your question on um, <clears throat> how did I land this? Um, I, I don't know that, that um, you know, that's how it went down more than our Air Force has a way of developing leaders across the force and developing them to continue serving at different levels of organization for the good of the enterprise. Um, and I have been so very fortunate in my career at the squadron level, group level, wing command um, level to have amazing teammates, amazing bosses, amazing subordinates to help grow me to be that leader at every level. And really that's what it was. And then if I look back at even my boss a year ago, who um, very much is a person who develops those around her and, and she was very serious about, let me continue to even develop Chief Bass for better things. And she's also somebody who believes in, let me play my freshman and, and, and let Chief Bass do the things that she needs to do. I think that we all get developed for certain things like this. And so when the time came around where Chief Master in the Air Force number 18 was going to retire, the next question is then who is on the bench to potentially take his place. And that's when, you know, folks start looking at all of the talent um, amongst the chief corps and let us figure out who that needs to be. Um, and then you start, your records start to get looked at by lots of different um, um, bodies and the rest is history. Wow. So I appreciate that someone, at, even at the chief level, is like, let me groom her a little bit. Let me see what I can do here because I see that you could probably be the next chief master in the Air Force. Yeah. So then when it comes to the chief process and they, they, they start looking at your records, right? Um, I guess, do you become, what's the, what is the process to actually be selected though? Do you get put in a pool with other chiefs across the Air Force? How does that work? Yeah. So again, your records will get looked at and then, um, and depending on who the hiring authority is in this case, you know, what did general Brown want? What were some of the key attributes that he was looking for, for the next chief master sergeant of the air force. And they just started to dwindle that down. There are, um, quite a few interviews in that process. My spouse got interviewed as well, um, which was fun, you know, it, it, as y'all mentioned, you know, we're doing military army husband, you know, so he got interviewed on, you know, how will he, you know, how will he be able to support his spouse serving in this position? Um, and then it culminated in a final interview with General Brown, um, so he could ultimately make that decision. But, but Ariel, one thing that I want to mention that, you know, it's true hearing you say that, you know, man, even at the, even at this level, even as a ch chief master sergeant level, 
And I would offer, especially as a chief master sergeant level, we still have to grow and we have to develop. And I tell people all the time, you're never too young to lead. And oh, by the way, you're never too old to grow. And we have to be in the business of growing um, and, and we'll never be too old. Oh, that's a great answer. And I appreciate that because sometimes I have airmen who are looking at me and I, I need some of that, you know, back and forth mentorship. And they're thinking that I got all the answers. Right. Um, so it's it's great to hear that that continues, you know, regardless of where you are um, on the chain of command. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> you have a huge following. I hope you know this. <laughs> and a lot of us are little girls like me that dreamed of being leaders because back in the 80s, there was no one that looked like us in these seats, right? And um, one day I woke up and I'm a mom of four and, <laughs> and I'm looking at your, your Facebook story or Facebook feed and it's like five in the morning. I don't even know if we're in the same time zone, but you're up and you're about to go to the gym. And I was going to go for a run, but I was really trying to talk myself out of it. And I thought, well, if, if with all the things on your plate, if you can get up and go to the gym, I can get up and go run for 30 minutes. And I posted and then you quickly responded <laughs> that you were so proud of me. I was like, oh, and I can't tell you how many other people came up to me and like, did you see that she responded to you? I was like, no, I, I actually didn't see it because I was running. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I, I did. about it. <laughs> Maria, a big deal for that day. I love that you shared that story. I didn't, I don't know who, you know, sometimes I'm responding to other than I know it's a fellow airman who's just like me, who, you know, like, you know, that's where I think it's important as leaders to sometimes show our transparency. You know, when I, when I came in the air force, I don't know that I saw leaders show their transparency. I saw leaders that had like this armor up and, and like they were pretty perfect and, and they got up at five o'clock cause they were so disciplined. Let me tell you, like I am miss snooze button. Like I love to hit snooze, but what I've learned though over time is that I have to discipline myself because when I hit snooze too much and I start to, um, when I'm not on my routine, I'm not able to be my best for our airmen. So thanks for sharing that story. But 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 I share with you, I'm just like you. The struggle's real. It's just I have a little bit more experience where I realize that, you know, if I don't do things to set myself on upright, then um, it's not me necessarily who pays the price. But to me, it's those whom I serve. How do you, I don't know how you find the balance. I know I've read a couple articles that you have really just recently found that work-life balance. Yeah. And so I'm curious that being in this role now as a chief master sergeant, you're a mother to basically the entire Air Force and you're a mother to your own children. How are you managing this pandemic world and the virtual learning environment? I mean, you, I don't imagine you have like nannies on call. It's probably your, your husband helping out and then you still wanting to be active in their lives because yeah. you genuinely care about everything. How do you do it? <laughs> Um, I will tell you that I do it one day at a time, like every, like everybody. And again, 28 years of experience has really helped me to understand what works and what doesn't in my life. And, and it, it is one day at a time. There are some seasons where I'm like, man, like, you know, I feel like everything's amazing in the world and, and, and the family piece is doing great. The workplace is good. I'm taking care of myself. And then 
you just get off kilter and then you don't realize what has happened. Um, and so I work very, very hard to be deliberate. Like the one thing that we can control to some degree is how we manage the time that we have. And, and I got it, you know, uh, when I was younger, when I was a tech sergeant, I don't know that I completely would agree because I'm like, well, I can't manage this time to this time because I'm at work, right? Um, true, but when you're not at work, and even when you are at work, you can control the time that you have while you're at work. And then when you're not, you can control that. And so I've learned to be very deliberate about the time that I do control. And that means that, yeah, sometimes I don't get as much sleep because I got to start my day um, and start to get my PT at five in the morning. And then I've got a, you know, six o'clock in the morning when I'm getting ready, um, I'm very focused on pouring into me and, and, and reading some, um, maybe reading a book or listening to some podcasts while I'm getting ready. Um, and then I start my day, but, but the balance piece for family really is that when I end my duty day, for the most part, learning to be disciplined enough to, to put work away and, and to just spend time with your family, because that time you can never get back. And I learned that for many, many years of not making the right decision. And so I learned that, you know, if I just spend, you know, let's say 1800 to 2000 um, with my kiddos or, you know, 1800 to 2100, I mean, that's not a lot of time. Like you really only get three to four or five hours at, you know, at max a day with your family. I spent, we spend more time with our Air Force family than we do our real family. So you've got to balance that time that you have um, well. Oh, yeah. Hear that, Ariel? <laughs> yeah. I understand. <laughs> it's, it's tough. Again, I, I didn't, I, you know, I want y'all to be each other's accountability partners on this, but it, this is a lesson that I didn't get right until. You know, I'm still perfecting it, but I didn't get right until I was a command chief. And the only people who knew how much I struggled were, were, were my family, you know, because they saw it. I think the, the pandemic has definitely allowed enough people to slow down for a moment mm -hmm. and to reassess. Um, and I definitely benefited, I guess, <laughs> from that. Um, less the fact of the pandemic, but more the fact that I got to slow down, right? Um, because... In the process, I, I I needed some friends, right, to give me that accountability, and I couldn't put it all on Maria um, because she's already got her things as well, and so there's only so much we can do for each other to help support um, whatever we've got going on, along with their family and the work and stuff like that. So we kind of cobbled together this group of girls that are all around the same rank. We've all kind of done some of the same things, and. Once we all started actually communicating with each other, having you know virtual happy hours, things like that, we're talking about the same things are happening in each other's families, and it just was it gave us the opportunity to really just take a breath and say, okay, this I'm not crazy. This thing happens with you know the kids and the laundry and the work and the whatever, and it was just it was definitely a breath of fresh air that I needed that it went beyond just Marie and I because <laughs> sometimes you forget that, and so. I, I appreciate having that opportunity to really just, just slow down is really what all came down to. <laughs> I love that. So you're talking about, you know, that social pillar when it, when it comes to comprehensive airman fitness and, and I'm a big calf uh, believer because I believe that you have to be strong physically, mentally, socially, and spiritually. And, um, and, and, and 
strong in all areas because kind of if you're deficient somewhere, you know, your house isn't going to be quite balanced um, and, and have a strong foundation. And that social pillar is so important because just like you both, I had a strong network of other leaders that I could relate to and we could come together. And again, time is precious. So sometimes we just came together, you know, for about 30 minutes, had a coffee, gave each other high five and said, let's go do this. And that's all we needed, you know, to kind of move on. But it, it helps you um, understand that you are normal and just being able to have an outlet to be able to share those things. I love you're doing that. Yeah. I appreciate these girls so much. Um, so I am, I'm also a mom, got two kids. Um, and one of my kids um, has Down syndrome. So she has special needs. And that requires a lot of time and attention um, outside of the normal duty day. A lot of um, brain power to maintain all of the things that she's got going on, right? Um, and I deal with, or I work with a lot of our um, military members here locally who are in EFMP to kind of advocate for some of their needs here. Um, and it just makes me think about, you know, what type of resources that you as a mom, you kind of use for your your family to be able to um, really just keep family life going, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of resources, you know, me and, and, it, and I will tie it back to kind of comprehensive airman fitness. You know, we have resources on, on all those sides, especially, you know, kind of the social, the mental piece, you know, where we have caregivers who we can reach out to, um, for whatever it is that we need and to include our spiritual piece. Um, and so to help with our family piece, I also, and connected with whomever my first sergeant is to help make sure that I understand all the resources that are available. Um, and that was me when I was younger, right? Like when I was younger, I needed my first sergeant. When I was a tech sergeant and, and you know, I had kiddos, I needed my first sergeant to help share with me, hey, what are some of the programs? You know, I feel like there's times where I'm always picking my kiddo up at 1800 and like, they're the last person, you know, what if I needed daycare beyond 1800? What are some things? And, and again, reaching out to all the different networks that are available and other parents in your situation to find out what is available to help us. I used that single parents night out a lot. My husband was, was deployed. He did five one-year deployments and then like an 18 month deployment. So I feel like a single parent a lot. So I used those resources that the Urban Family Readiness Center gave. Um, we just have to look for the resources and we can't be too proud to ask for resources. And I think sometimes that's on us. There were times where again, he would be deployed. And even though I have friends and, and family and people would say, tell us what you need, you know, whatever you need, how many of us always even kind of, you know, ask? A lot of times we're just too proud or we don't want to inconvenience anybody. But I would say, you know, people want to help. I'm so glad that you said people want to help because I have been in that place where I, I don't want to say I was ashamed to ask for help, but if I'm always the one asking for help and no one's asking me for help, that's just what it seems like. You get burnt out. Yeah. And I mean, I'm curious. I, again, back to this calf work-life balance and support system. What do you say you would do to balance it all without getting burnt out and 
stay focused on the mission and stay focused on your family and like your ultimate goal. Yeah. What is your ultimate goal? (laughs) Um, So I I would say, Maria, you got to focus on like, what's your why? What's your purpose? Every single one of us has that. And and you got to stay true to that. You know, what is your purpose? What's what? What's your why? And kind of, you know, what's your goals and end state and what you want to do? And don't let temporary circumstances or happenstance, how you happen to feel, alter you from your goals, the end state, and your why and your purpose. And I that was again something that I've had to learn as a young NCO on up to now, like I've got to play the long game for my family and I have to play the long game for my life. And so I'm not going to make decisions or, or get deterred from what those goals are because of how I feel or a temporary circumstance, you know, you can help control to some degree what, what that is. And so that's how I've remained focused, um, on, on the prize, you know, I've remained focused on, being able to balance um, my role as first and foremost as a spouse and then, you know, as a mom and then as an airman. And, it, and if I can take care of the first two, if I can be, you know, um, a good spouse and a good mom, then chances are I'm going to be a good airman too and a good leader. Um, and then you could also tie it back into most, most importantly, like just be a good person. So I tell people all the time, you know, if you can focus on being a good person, everything else just lines up. And there's just, I appreciate that comment you said about don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah. Right. Like that's why we're here on the Air Force Aid Society, right? That's what they do. They help airmen. <laughs> they, that's the podcast we're on, airmen helping airmen. That's whole, their whole purpose. And so I think it's awesome that one, that they do that. Um, and two, that it's so amazing that regardless of, you know, whether or not you're an airman or now a guardian, um, you can still use those services to be able to just get the help that you need to be able to function for whatever is going on in your life right now. Yeah. Hey, and I don't want y'all to ever like misunderstand and be like, man, she fast has her stuff together. Like, look <laughs> at her. Now this again, I'm, I'm going to say this like a thousand times, you know, it's been a work in progress and I've had 28 years of experience to get myself, you know, where I need to be. And, and, and on that getting help piece, I'm serious that, that when you can be a hundred percent you and be your best, then you can be the best leader and the best airman that you need to be and, 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 and the best, whatever to the people who, who are surrounding you. I had, and I'm not too proud to share that I have a monthly meeting with the chaplain. I've had that for several years now, since I was at like Goodfellow. And, and I use that as a way of sometimes, you know, one, I'm like chaplain, like Joe Bass needs prayer. Two, chaplain, I need you to pray for like all the things that, you know, I, I'm responsible for and, and help me have the wisdom to deal with that. So so I have a monthly meeting with the chaplain. And sometimes, by the way, it's just life. Sometimes I'm like, hey, chaplain, like, can you pray? Because I, I really kind of, you know, I'm just too through with my family right now. You know, so it's just life. So, you know, we all have to figure out what that help is for all of us and not be too proud to get it. Thank you so much. <laughs> so whenever um, I hear about people who are going into um, like the chaplain's office, or we have something here called EAS, so executive assistant services, so where you can speak with a therapist. Um, it makes me 
so proud that that's kind of how our Air Force has shifted, right? Mm -hmm. So people didn't used to talk about going to get therapy. Um, people didn't talk about, you know, getting help. It's just, it was for a while, because I've been in for 18 years, I'll hit 19 in November. And it's been amazing watching how that stigma has kind of, you know, slowly been, you know, melting away and that if you need to go get seen and somebody says, maybe you need some help, that doesn't feel like an attack anymore. That doesn't feel like an attack on your character, right? It doesn't feel like an attack on, you know, your performance or anything like that. Um, recently had a conversation with a girlfriend because there was just, between all the different work hats that I was wearing, um, I just called her up and she was like, do you need to talk to someone other than me? <laughs> it was like, cause I will gladly help you, but would you like to talk to someone else? Cause I can help you out with it. And I was like, I've already got someone on deck that I'll be talking to, but I appreciate that you are asking me that question and you feel confident and comfortable enough to ask me that question. Um, is there any kind of additional advice that you would give to other women when it comes to, you know, when you're starting to feel that, that burnout, um, who should you communicate with or what should you do for yourself to be able to kind of pull yourself away from that edge? I think you just have to first and foremost, just be honest with yourself and, and um, have the mindset of it's okay to, you know, seek out help. And then, you know, what that help is or who that help is, um, you know, you probably know best if you need to go see you know, a, a chaplain or a mental health provider or MFLAC or, or whatever any of the helping agencies are. Maybe you just need to talk to your first surgeon. Maybe you need to talk to a wingman. Um, you have to have the mindset of it is okay for me to do that. And I have to like identify that, that I actually do need the help and, and then just go do it. I agree with that. It's it's really good when you have a command team that appreciates it. Um, and then it will also give you the space for it. Um, yeah. And that's kind of been the, the motivating factor for me is that having this, the ability to, um, to go without any repercussions has been like, probably the easiest reason for me to just be like, okay, I need to take this day. <laughs> Ariel, let me transition a little bit on kind of our, our thoughts from an air force perspective, you know, as, sitting in my seat, what I feel like we have a responsibility to do as an Air Force is one, make sure that helping agencies are available to all airmen. Two, provide tools for every single one of our airmen to be able to be the best wingmen and the best supervisors that they need to be. You know, um, because a lot of times when, when our airmen, you know, need something, it isn't necessarily always something that sends you to mental health or whatever. When I talk to a lot of airmen in the field and I ask airmen, hey, what, what is it that you expect from your leadership? What's interesting is the number one answer I get back is to just know they care. Mm. Like that's powerful. And so I share that with every level of leadership that I'm talking to, whether it's wing commanders down to first line supervisors, our airmen capital A airmen to include me. I just want to know that my boss cares. And I want to know that the teammates that I'm around, we can't just have buzzwords that, Hey, we're part of air force family and we're brothers and sisters in this, but we don't care, you know? And so that gets after the culture piece that I'm always talking about. Um, and, and if you look at my, my three focus areas, people, readiness, culture, 
culture is foundational to who we are as airmen. And we have to have a culture where people care, where our airmen feel valued, every single one of us, where we, can, we, we work in environments and we live in environments where we can thrive and be our very best. So, so that's what I feel like we owe as an enterprise is that culture um, where every airman can be their very best. I think that we are getting closer to that culture with all of the diversity and inclusion. I call this like huge wins. What other wins do you think we have? We got a lot. Of, we got a lot of wins coming like uh, Maria a lot. Um, we are very focused on what does our Air Force need to look like in 2030, 2035 and beyond? And, and how, how do we make sure that the Air Force today is going to continue to develop airmen that we need for um, to be the Air Force that our nation needs in future years to come? And so um, we're at an inflection point. You saw my boss push out his eight page strategic approach on accelerate change or lose. And a lot of our airmen are like accelerate change. Why? You know, and, and I share that why we're at an inflection point where we have to make some decisions based on where we are as, as a service, based on the global landscape and what some of our adversaries across the globe are trying to do in creating a contested environment. Um, we have to make those decisions. So based on that, everything um, that comes across my desk and everything that we are focused on is building that Air Force for 2030 and, and beyond. And so the wins that we'll have is we're looking at everything from how we bring airmen into our Air Force, how we develop, train them and retain our best talent. And then also how when our airmen take off this uniform, how they can be um, you know, the most productive citizen when they go back into their hometown. There's nothing we're not looking at when it comes to talent management. There's every single thing revolves around, you know, like talented airmen. How do we grow them? How do we develop them? How can we have an assignment policy that supports that? How can we have promotion and evaluation policies that support keeping the, you know, our talented airmen in? How can we have developmental opportunities that help our airmen be their best? How can we make sure that we kill some of the unneeded bureaucracy so that our airmen truly can be creative and get after the challenges that are um, impacting our Air Force today? We got a lot of wins coming. Um, we have a lot of small wins. You know, you'll see some small wins on like dress and appearance, uniform type stuff to major wins when it comes to how we change evaluations, promotions, and then of course, of course, strategic level changes on how do we design our Air Force um, to, to be most effective for that future high-end fight. It is crazy that when I joined, I always thought that I would be done when I had a child because the, the stigma, I don't want to say the stigma, but everyone thought you get pregnant as a female, you have the baby, and then that's your way out. That's why you did it. But I continue to have children now four, and it's changed so much from I'd have to go back after six weeks or you're going to give me a couple extra weeks. I had a tough pregnancy. I had a tough birth, you know, give me another month. And now these airmen have up to what, three, four months maybe six months if we got some leave banked up. And it's just amazing to know that because someone cares about them, yeah. that they want to give back. They care that much more. Yeah. And I think you're helping build this force that 
is again to be reckoned with we're already like the world's greatest air force i didn't think we could get any better but here we are yeah we've got to keep getting better and i'll be honest we have some great teammates across the force with some great ideas on how do we just get after changing the way we look at policies and processes what worked for us when we came in isn't necessarily what's going to work in the future and that's again how i want all of us to look at things you know the way we do fitness today is it what what it needs to look like in 10 years from now probably not the way we assess people today is that the way it needs to look in 10 years from now i'm certainly i'm certain that that's not the case and so um yeah we've got talented people across our commands you know, in squadrons, we have to allow space for them to uh, to help us um, get after what our Air Force needs to look like. So I'm gonna course. I'm gonna change our course of questioning a little bit here. Um, so since we are kind of talking about Women's History Month and things like that, um, I just kind of want to zone in a little bit more on you and specifically as a, a female growing up, growing up through the ranks and really um, commanding teams along the way, have you found it difficult in any way with your advancement in comparison to maybe any of your predecessors that um, may have been male ahead of you? Yeah, um, sure. I mean, I, I, I can't lie and say that I don't feel like I've at times had to work harder. Um, but I've never let that deter me. It just, you know, I worked, you know, as hard as I could and never allow any circumstances that I can't control deter me from um, being able to be my best. Did it stink at times? Of course it does, you know, but, but again, you know, you just persevere and you push through. And then when you are in a position, um, you become better so that you make sure that others around you don't have to go through that plight. Yeah, some of the, the the individuals that have come before me were really good about that last point that you made when it comes to just setting up some key people behind them so that when we're looked at, our packages are looked at and those positions become available, um, we are seen as a more viable candidate. And that's probably the reason why I got some of the jobs that I've received so far because of the fact that I've had those individuals in my past who've kind of set me up for success. So yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, Ariel, I had a story. I remember a story now thinking about it when I was an airman first class. And I remember at the time our squadron chief came down to visit and you know I was frustrated and I remember kind of venting and I shared with this um, chief, which is interesting because back then Airman didn't talk to chiefs, but he must have been so personable, but that I felt comfortable enough to just ask for some mentorship. But I remember sharing with him some frustration that I felt like I did have to work harder than some of my coworkers in my immediate section. And what he shared with me, that's when I started learning the principle of control what you can control and don't worry about the rest. He's like, you know, focus on what you have to do, because if you're worried about other people around you, you're never going to make it very far and don't let them deter you. And I'll never forget that advice that I got from him as a young A1C. So would you say that that person was a mentor? Who, who exactly are your mentors? I'm so curious to know how you got molded to be this person. <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, when I think about mentorship, 
people were mentoring me throughout my career. And sometimes I don't know that I even knew it. Like <laughs> chief master sergeant, you know, when I was at the 74th fighter squadron who came down, I don't even remember having a ton of discussion with him, honestly, throughout my time at that squadron, except for, I remember that one touch point really. Um, and so he mentored me at that point, but I wouldn't call him like, Amen. Like we've made mentorship a little bit awkward for people, right? Because uh-huh. we've, we've deemed people as, you know, this is my mentor. And then the first time that person does something you don't like or says something you don't like, you like disconnect the mentorship and they're no longer my mentor anymore. So I tell people all the time, I'm like, you know, I don't want to be anybody's mentor. If I happen to be, that's great. But that's a lot of responsibility when sometimes people don't appreciate, um, you know, the complete honest feedback. And so all that to say, I have had so many mentors and they don't even know that they were a mentor to me because I saw great things that they did or inspiring things that they did. And I took this piece from this person and then another piece from another person. Um, or sometimes I knew that this particular person was somebody that I could call and ask about this because they've walked, uh, you know, the, the, a walk, they've walked that walk and, and they understand where I'm coming from. And so I've had too many mentors that I can count. I would offer that probably every single supervisor I ha- have had to some degree has been a mentor to me in, in teaching me and growing me. Even the supervisors sometimes who we might say were not that great. You learned a lot from them too. Um, and so, I, you know, I've had too many mentors that I can count and I've had a lot of strong peers. So one thing that, that I will say that I've done in my career is surround myself by other strong people and never um, felt intimidated by that. Like as a tech sergeant, I like to surround myself by other tech sergeants, other NCICs from different shops who, 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 who are strong in their own right, because I feel like that healthy competition is good and iron sharpens iron. And if I can learn something from other strong peers, um, that's the way to go. And so throughout the ranks, especially as a chief, I've surrounded myself by strong chiefs that um, are strong in their own right. And, and it doesn't ever intimidate me. In fact, I want those around me and I want my team to always be strong. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a lot, um, but also pretty cool. The fact that you can build up all your team around you because between um, Kay Wright before you and then now you in the seat, whoever's coming after both of you, they're going to have some big shoes to fill. Well, they'll, they'll have their they'll have their own shoes. Right. And, and, and that's what people were like. So here's what's interesting. A year ago, Ariel, I remember saying that and somebody brought that to memory. They were like, hey, who do you think is going to take SimSAF number 18 spot? And I was like, I don't know, but they got some big shoes to fill. Mm -hmm. And and they reminded me that I said that. And Ah. fast forward now, I'm in the position. But but the thing is, I can never fill Chief Master in the Air Force number 18's shoes. You know, those were his shoes for him to walk in at that time and lead at that particular time. Fast forward to today, the Air Force we're, we're serving in today requires some different shoes. And they, they are led right now by our Chief of Staff, General Brown, and, and, and he understands the global landscape and the challenges that the Air Force today is is. Um, is um, experiencing 
and I've got my own shoes that I'm going to walk in. And then whoever comes to replace me, it's going to be a different landscape and, and it's going to be amazing. And then in two or three iterations, it could be either one of you two as the next chief master in the Air Force. Who knows? I get excited when I talk with our airmen, especially when I, I am talking to large groups of airmen, because I'm like, man, somewhere in this group is chief master sir in the Air Force number 20, 21, 22, 23, yeah. somewhere. <laughs> All right. So I'm, I'm going to throw in this, this last two part question. Um, so I am nearing 20 mark, my 20 mark, right? Um, the first part of this question is when you're, I'm at 18 years, um, I'm nearing the end. There's still more to give, but I don't know if I have it because of the family, right? When you got to that point, because I know you just recently celebrated 28, you know, how did you navigate that? And then second part, what's next after the Air Force for you? All right. Um, how I navigated it, I took one assignment at a time. That, that is honestly it. We, you know, I'm a big bloom warrior planted cut type of person where you get into your assignment, you make your organization better than it was. Um, you do your best to impact your teammates around you and you take one assignment at a time and you balance that with, again, what's good for your family, what's good for the Air Force. And that's how I have operated. And I remember actually being at the 14 year mark. And I, I remember telling my husband, again, our army soldier at the time, I'm like, hey, babe, like six more years and, and, and like I'm going to be out and we're going to live our best life. Um, and then somehow you get to the 20 year mark and you're still in that, you know, Hey, one assignment at a time. And we're like, man, at the 20 year mark, you know, we were really enjoying life and, and living our best life and in a in a happy place when it came to our family and, um, able to do great things in our air force. So we continue to stay in. And that was us. Um, as far as what I'm going to do when I retire, I don't know. I, you know, I, my friends laugh at me because I tell them I'm not going to do anything, you know, but they're like, no, that's not you. So I'm sure I will probably go hang out on an island somewhere for about a month or two. And um, my kiddos will both be out of the house at that time. And we will enjoy life and then figure out what we want to do at some point. Island life. Yeah. Um, oh, the island life. How do you <laughs> We had the opportunity to be stationed out in Hawaii together. And man, did we love it. <laughs> I know. I know. And here's what else I'm going to be doing. Cheering on the United States Air Force, you know, and excited for, um, you know, what it's going to do. And, and that'll be the one thing that I'm doing is from the background, cheering our airmen on and um, excited to see where it's going to continue to go. And we just finished up the Women's Symposium last week. After all of that feedback, what advice do you have for women or like, let's say my daughter right now who has no idea what she's going to do with her future. What advice do you have for women, airmen, their children? Uh, my advice to all women is don't be the reason why you don't become who you're supposed to become. Meaning don't let your own self-limiting beliefs 
keep you from being your very best. And that was a lesson I had to learn because people are always like, hey, what's your what's your glass ceiling? And, and like they want to hear something really juicy. Like what was the reason why you felt like you couldn't do the things you could? And I always tell them my glass ceiling that 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 I had to overcome was me. Like, so when I learned to overcome self-limiting beliefs, that is when the goodness happens. So, um, and that gets back to my first um, thing that I talked about with General Van Ovos when she said, you can't, you can't be what you can't see. And so when I was a young airman, a young staff sergeant, I rarely saw female chiefs. Um, just didn't see them. So you couldn't, you couldn't really be that because you didn't know. And you, all you saw was strong, um, strong male chiefs, or I saw strong leaders like my husband and I can't be my husband, but man, he's, he's such a strong dominant leader. And that's what I started to kind of associate leadership skills with. And I couldn't, and I can't measure up to that. So that's why I had to learn I can't measure up to that or this or whatever my own self-limiting beliefs are, but I can measure up to being the best me that I need to be. And so I tell every woman, do not be the reason why you are not your best. I needed that advice maybe 18 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You're getting, you're getting it now so that you can go do great things. And the other thing I tell people too, is your identity is not in the stripes that are on your sleeve, like period. So, so you be who you need to be for your family, for your teammates around you, and most of all for you. Thank you. So when it comes to um, some of that team, that teammanship, that um, wingmanship, the Air Force Aid Society is supposed to be here for us to do that. And I think that they do on a pretty much daily basis. Um, why do you think the Air Force Aid Society is so important to our airmen and to our guardians when it comes to um, supporting them? Yeah, I mean, our Air Force does a good job of taking care of, of our airmen and their families, but we always need the help of other agencies and organizations to help us do that as well. And, you know, and Air Force Aid Society is that organization where they're able to do things like fundraise to be able to um, get money and which then ultimately provides resources for our airmen and families. And we appreciate it. Um, we, we need their support and, um, and and they're always there when we need them. Couldn't agree more. I think between uh, Maria's ability to use their technology fund recently, um, and then my support to some airmen to make sure that they can get to, you know, family in need because they didn't quite have the money in pocket. Air Force Aid Society is probably one of the um, most fundamental things that we have um, within the Air Force when it comes to resources, especially some of that emergency style kind of resource. Thank you, Chief Bass, for... <laughs> entertaining me <laughs> for entertaining us um on this podcast um and giving me the opportunity to just you know sit down and chat with you for a little while absolutely ariel maria it was wonderful meeting you both i love an opportunity to just break away from my somewhat um hectic schedule at times to be able to just have fun and talk to fellow airmen um, so that we can help sharpen each other, right? And, and part of me talking with our airmen is also being able to hear the things that are, you know, on your minds. It, it, it helps me be a better leader. So thanks for spending some time with me today. 
Um, thanks for spending some time highlighting Women's History Month. It is important that we do that because we will be a better Air Force um, and a better military when we quit having firsts, seconds, and thirds, but we just value um, the diversity that we have within our force. And we do have some, some, some amazing airmen that, that are very diverse. We've got to make sure that we continue to embrace that and that we are inclusive and that, um, you know, we create an environment where every single one of our airmen can thrive. I'm very appreciative for the Air Force Aid Society for everything that they do to be able to support our airmen, to support our families. We are able to be our very best because of partnerships um, and everything that at, um, AFAS does for us. So thanks for having me on. And I look forward to seeing you guys in the future. Thank you so much, Chief Bass. This message was so much needed myself and I'm sure the audience wants to hear it. Good, good. Well, I can't wait to see you guys soon. All right, thank you. Join us for our next season where you will hear from our airmen, guardians, and of course our supporting partners who help ensure that we're here when you need us.